welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. This episode, I'm joined by Memphis-based coach Katie Smith. Katie grew up playing soccer and started coaching straight out of high school alongside playing at community college level. Now, in a situation that might sound familiar to a lot of coaches trying to make their way in the game, Katie juggles numerous coaching roles. She coaches at Collierville High School and Collierville Middle School, has two youth teams at Lobos Rush, is a volunteer assistant at Northwest Mississippi Community College, and also works with USL2 club Tri-Cities FC. Katie is also a full-time student and, this semester, a student teacher. I caught up with Katie at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia earlier this year to talk about how she juggles it all. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) This is your first convention. What do you make of it so far? And I suppose also, why was it important for you to come here? Yeah, so as a younger coach just trying to make connections within the soccer community, I think it was really important to come here and meet with everyone. And it's a great way to get to know new coaches, get to meet coaches that you talk to online all the time. And alongside that, just the education here is unparalleled. It's been great to see the coaching sessions that have taken place. I got to watch one from Marguerite from UCLA, which was amazing. And then the in-session classes that talk about things like injury prevention and warm-up dynamics and all of these things that I don't really get back home. So all of those things have just made this a great experience, and it was really important to be here. Give us then, if you can, in 60 seconds, an overview of who you are and who you are as a coach, I suppose, in your coaching journey. Yeah, so I coach in the Memphis, Tennessee area. I grew up playing soccer and then started coaching straight out of high school when I was playing community college. I went and played for LSU Shreveport. I played soccer and tennis there and then started my coaching journey at a very small high school in Tennessee. And from there, it's just kind of grown. Now I coach at Collierville High School, Collierville Middle School, Lobos Rush. I have two youth teams there. I coach for Northwest Mississippi Community College. And then I also have done some work with the Tri-Cities FC in Johnson City. So I am all over the map. I've been able to really get a lot of great experience in the few years that I've been doing this. And so that's just a little bit of my background. (laughs) Wow. So what does a day in the life look like then to tell us right so actually I'm still in school full-time so I'm doing classes during the day and then basically practices back to back to back and then I go home go to sleep and do it all again the next day this semester I'm actually student teaching so yeah I wake up and it's like go all day and then go to sleep and wake up and do it all again tomorrow so (laughs) okay so tell me then those different environments that you work in I suppose what are some of the similarities in terms of the coaching you deliver and what are some of the differences yeah so I think that in terms of middle school girls and boys there's a lot of similarities right they're at the same kind of levels of where they're at in the game learning the basics all of those things and I think when we step into these higher levels like community college or especially USL2 there's such a vast difference And for me, I coach community college women's and then men's USL2, which is just vastly different. I don't think there's really any similarities that I could point out off the top of my head. And so I think for me, being in these different spaces, being able to see 
I guess the similarities and differences has just helped me grow as a coach. Let's talk college women then. Yeah, what is that? What kind of sessions are you delivering? What kind of coaching behaviors are you displaying? Tell us about the makeup of that. Yeah, so at Northwest, I this year was a volunteer assistant. That was my role. And we have a really great staff of several different people, and we all have different roles within the program. So one thing that our head coach is really big on is breaking the sessions into position-specific drills. Yeah. And so for me, I work with the forwards, the strikers, working on receiving the ball, turning, finishing, all of those things. And then we have a guy that takes the midfield group, someone takes the defender group. And so everyone's kind of working in their own I guess, environment, their own piece. And so for me, I have a lot of autonomy on what I want to work with on the forward side of things. And that's typically every day. And then we kind of come together at the end and maybe work on things as a large group. But we are very, very position specific there. And so obviously that's um, something that I was not used to when I stepped into that role. And that was something that I did have to get used to and figure out, okay, how do I train the strikers individually, but also make it fit into the big picture. And so that's once again, just been a good learning experience for me. What did you do then to, I guess, figure that out a bit more? Yeah, so I think my whole coaching career has just kind of been like I get thrown out there and I just have to like figure out what to do, right? And so I think the best way to figure out how to do things is just by experiencing it and seeing what works and what doesn't, right? You get to a session and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And then you start coaching it and the players are looking at you like, what are you doing, you know? And so then you're like, okay, well, I'm not doing that again, right? So I think just putting yourself in the spaces where you're getting the experience and you can see what works and what doesn't and learning from that and being willing to adjust and grow as needed is so important. So let's go to the men's team then. How does that differ? What do those sessions look like? What does your role look like? Right. So there, the head coach is completely on the opposite. Everything that we do is together. Everything is the whole team setting And it's very, very different. I mean, even just in the style of play, the ability of the players is so, so vastly different. (laughs) And so for us, a typical session is like a warm-up, a passing pattern, and then we progress into like a small-sided game, and then we'll end on like a big session with obviously the focus on whatever we're trying to work on that day. And so for that, the biggest things for me is it's a lot more high pace. It's a lot more high intensity. The sessions are a lot shorter, but we get a lot more accomplished, I feel. Let's go high school then. Yes. So (laughs) sessions, what are they like? So high school sessions for us, they always start with some sort of a dynamic warm up, something on the ball, just getting them moving. After that, we transition into two different groups. So we've got our varsity group, we've got our junior varsity group, and typically we're running the exact same sessions, the exact same drills, but they obviously look a little bit different depending on which side you're on. And so we have a topic that we choose before each practice, and it's based on the last game, what we struggled with. So maybe we struggled with connecting in the final third. So this practice is all gonna be based on the final third. So we may start with a passing pattern, In the final third, we may start with finishing, and then we kind of progress to playing a game, and then we progress to a full 11v11 scrimmage, typically JV versus varsity at the end of the practice. And so it actually looks very, very similar to the USL2 in terms of what we're doing and how we're progressing, but obviously the actual content is a lot different. And then how do you change in terms of who you are as a coach, how you speak to the players, your behaviors across those environments? 
Yeah, so for me, my coaching philosophy is person over player. And so I always feel that it's important to remember that these are people first and players second. And players have bad days. They have things that are going on, right? And so you want practice to be the best part of their day. And so while I firmly believe in holding people accountable and having you know, a level of expectation and making sure that the players are hitting that, I think that it's really important to understand that they're not going to be their best every day and that's okay. And so for me, I think it's important that as a coach, you have your value system, you have what you believe in. And no matter what team you're with, what other coaches you're coaching with, that stays the same. And so I like to think that my style of coaching really doesn't change based on which team I'm with. Now, for the older kids, right, you can break things down a bit more. You can give them a bit more information. But in terms of my style and how I speak to the players and how I interact with them, it's very, very similar all across the board. And I think that that's how it should be. And when you talk about philosophy, is that something you actively sat down and said, here's me, here's how I want to coach and laid that out? Or is it something that came over time? Yeah, so I, when I realized that I wanted to become a coach and I kind of started doing these large group sessions for club and I realized like this was the path I wanted to take, I was very intentional in figuring out who I was as a head coach, what I believed in, not just in terms of like my character, but also in terms of my style of play. How do I want to play? How do I want to press high? Do I want to drop back? Do I want to use the width? Do I want to stay compact, right? And so I kind of took it upon myself to sit down and say, before I take over a program, I need to figure these things out. And so when I got offered my first coaching job, this was in March, I started in May, I took pretty much the whole month of April and just kind of sat there and figured out, okay, what do I want my players to get from me? When my players are looking 20 years from now in terms of what I did for them as a coach or how I helped them as a person, what do I want them to remember? And so I kind of developed this philosophy of, I want them to remember that I cared about them as a person first, that I was trying to help them develop the skills that they will need, not just for soccer, but also in life. And so that's how the person over player thing kind of came into fruition. And then alongside that, obviously, like I said, kind of just my style of play. And I sat down and thought intentionally every single aspect of the game, what do I want to do? Because I think when you coach and when you run a program, if you're not sold on your, you know, direction and the things that you want to do, how can you expect the players to buy into that? And so, yeah, that was something for me that I was very, very intentional about. And I would encourage any young coach or a coach that's stepping into that head coaching role to figure those things out because I think it's so important and everything you do is dictated on those beliefs. With the person over player thing do you think I mean there's so much education out there like you know technically tactically do you think we should be devoting just as much of our time to understanding how players learn the context of kids these days the things they're going through and yeah really figuring out where our kids are at when you know or where our adults are at I suppose when we beat the procession yeah absolutely so I I will say this I've been very encouraged in recent years and then especially being at this convention there has been such a push for the mental health advocacy for understanding your players for remembering that they're people right and so we see like even this week I've seen all of these sessions here that are like mental health focused understanding Gen Z understanding how to connect with your players. And to me, that's even more important than any tactical thing you could possibly do. Because for me, if 
you have someone that's teaching you tactically, right? Or you have a teacher in school. They could know as much as they could possibly know about history. But if you hate them, you're not listening and you're not learning anything about history. And I think it's the exact same on the field, right? If I have all this technical knowledge, but I don't know how to relate to my players and build relationships with my players, it means nothing. And so I think building those relationships is the most important thing that you can do in terms of having success on the field, but also having success off the field in life for your players, which that should be your number one focus because we're not just coaching them for a game, we're coaching them for life. And I mean, especially as a high school coach, I see these kids sometimes more than their parents do. And so it's really important to have that understanding of the role that you play in their lives and you are a very significant influence on them and ensuring that you're doing your due diligence to learn how to connect with them, how to understand them, the needs that they need. And then on top of all of that, like I said, the, the mental health, health aspect, if we are not cautious and knowledgeable on the warning signs and the needs of mental health, we are going to continue losing these players at these alarming rates, which is so tragic and so unfortunate. And so I think that any coach that's in the game, if they are not focusing on those aspects just as much as the tactical aspects, they're doing their players a very big disservice. And what do you, because my approach is similar to yours, like player, player first. Being really honest, I feel like if you think about the scope of your influence, sometimes it can get overwhelming and, and sometimes I go home and I'm like, did I get that right? Like, And it can be quite draining. Like, How do you feel about that and how do you keep yourself healthy, I suppose, in that role? Yeah, so to me, honestly, it is the greatest honor of my life that I get to have the influence that I do, especially in terms of the youth. Like, yes, obviously college kids, it's great, but it's a little bit different. But when you're talking about these middle school kids that are going through these changes, and I always say my middle school teams are my favorite teams, and everybody knows that. And so it's because like they're going through all these changes. They're looking for adults and people that will invest in them, that will help them, that will care about them. And like that is something to me that I wear with a badge of honor, pride, and I love it. And so I don't feel, at least for me, ever overwhelmed or like, oh, did I get that right? Because you know what? At the end of the day, we're all learning. We're all growing together. My players teach me things every single day about myself, about the world. And I think that, you know, Yes, there is a big influence and yes, it can be a little like scary, but I think as long as you're doing your best and your players know that, then they're going to respect you. And I think that's where authenticity comes in and plays a huge, huge role. Like, can you be authentic with your players when you screw up? Can you say, you know what, guys, like, you're right. I I messed up, you know, and I'm sorry, because that's all that they're looking for. And the more authentic you are, the more they're going to trust you, the more those relationships are going to build. And I have been able to build some of the best relationships and help kids through things that I never would have been able to without soccer. And that, to me, makes everything worth it. And that, to me, is ultimately the entire point, right? And so I, and then your second question, you know, keeping myself healthy, um, I love what I do. Honestly, I don't feel when I'm there, I'm ever working. It's my favorite part of my day. And so when I step off the field, like, honestly, it kind of stinks. I'm like, man, I wish we could stay at practice all day, right? So I just keep myself healthy, I think, by being in these roles that I love and enjoy. So what, there might, I mean, there'll be coaches across the spectrum and of experience listening to this, but um, what are some of the challenges that you've 
based. I suppose the coaches listening are like, cool, I have that challenge too, you know, that, that might be helpful. What are some of the things you've gone through? I think that the biggest struggle that I have faced just as a younger female coach is actually the parental side of things. I've never had an issue with kids respecting me, understanding me, because I build those relationships, right? But unfortunately, there is a stigma around young coaches. There is a stigma around female coaches. And those are two things that I can't really help. And so those are the biggest issues that I've had. And my way to try and combat that is to just gain respect by being prepared when the kids show up everything's on the field everything's ready to go our practices move from one thing to the the next I'm never setting up cones like to have that aspect of organization and showing that I'm being intentional I'm thinking about it and then obviously having that level of professionalism you know when people are coming to me parents are coming to me being professional being able to answer those questions and have those conversations with them And then on the side of being a female and the gender discrimination within the sport, I do think that that's something that we are talking about and it is getting better. And that's very encouraging for someone like me that's really trying to break into the into the soccer coaching world. And I think that having coaches like Marguerite, who's able to go and do what she did as a young female coach, like that is huge for the sport. And so it's really Like I said, I think it's getting better. I think that these are issues that we're working on, but those are definitely the two biggest things that I see come up in my coaching. And for anyone else that's going through the same things, I think it's important that we continue to have these conversations, continue to support each other, encourage each other, because at the end of the day, that's really all we can do. I was going to say it because you said, you know, here at the convention, you connected with people that you've spoken to online. How important has it been to have a network of people that have had similar experiences different experiences to be able to kind of talk to you about things yeah absolutely I think having a network and having mentors is huge and I have been so so blessed by some of the people that have taken the time and really invested in me as a coach and as a person my biggest mentor is Colton Bryant he's the assistant coach at Lamar University right now and he has helped me every single step of the way in terms of coaching in terms of being a better person and he is a phenomenal person coach mentor etc and I look up to him a lot and so having people like that has truly not just changed the course of my coaching career but also changed my life and it's made me a better person and I think that also when you have those people like yeah you can bounce ideas off of them you can get advice from them But I think the biggest piece is accountability, right? When you're doing something where you feel like, okay, if I screw up, someone's going to be there to hold me accountable. That's huge. Okay, we have three questions that we are asking everyone to end the podcast. Just advice for the coaches, essentially. So first coach, they are a new coach. They're taking their first ever session on pitch tomorrow. What advice would you have for them? Yeah. So like I said earlier, I think the biggest piece is know your philosophy, know your coaching philosophy, know your principles of play, figure all of that out and base everything that you do on it. If you base all of the things, all of the sessions, all of the games, all of the coaching points on those principles of play on your philosophy, then you will have success and you will have players that buy in because they are going to know why you're doing the things you're doing and knowing your why is huge because it encourages the players and it also encourages you and I think in terms of general sense brand new coaches it's really important to find your mentors find those people that will invest in you and to put yourself out there I have emailed hundreds of college coaches and not gotten a response from over half of them 
But I do it because the ones that do respond, they do invest and they do care. And so I think just being willing to put yourself in spaces where it's like the worst they can say is no, like that's huge. Second coach then, this might be a good one for you, incredibly pushed for time, juggling a lot of things, wants to deliver the best for their players, but doesn't always have feel like they have the time to plan. What's your advice for them? Yeah, so I think it's really important to make sure on the front end when you take roles on, you can do, give 100%. And I think that's important for multiple reasons. But one, you want to have success as a coach if you want to build your career. And you can't do that if you're not giving 100%. And then also, your players deserve the best of you. You know, when you take a job, especially coaching youth, like you are the person that they are looking up to, that they are coming to. And you are solely dictating their future, not just in soccer, but also in life. And so making sure that you're putting yourself in spaces where you can give 100% you can truly be invested in them, that's really important. And if you can't be, then I would honestly suggest taking a step back, finding an alternative way to maybe be an assistant coach or something like that until you're ready and able to take that next step. Kind of links to this next one, actually, then. So the final coach is like, feel like they're stuck in a rut, like they're delivering all the same things. They don't know if they're having impact. Um, Kind of feel like they don't really enjoy the game anymore. Do you have any suggestions for them? Yeah, so I've been really fortunate. I have not had that happen yet. I say yet because I know as I get older, right, it probably will. Um, But I think one of the things that at least I have been given in terms of advice from older coaches is don't let yourself get to that point. Don't let yourself burn out. Now, obviously, once you get there, I don't really know what to do. But try not to let yourself. And the things that I've kind of been told is, like, choose your roles wisely Make sure that you're taking time away from soccer. You're turning it off. You're maybe watching a movie. You're hanging out with your friends. And last night I was speaking to Jennifer Klein, who's the head coach of Michigan. And she said something that really, really resonated with me on this topic. And it was stop trying to achieve balance, but look to achieve harmony. And so essentially when you're a coach, like there are going to be seasons, times where you cannot find balance. You cannot balance a fall season and have the same amount of time with your family that you do on the field or in the conference room or whatever. It's not going to happen. To me, that kind of was her way of saying, like, you're not going to be able to be fully committed at home during a fall season, right? It's not possible. You're not going to find balance there. But what you can do is wherever you're at, you can be fully present. So when you're at home, you're at home and you're fully present there. When you're on the field, you're there and you're fully present. And so being able to just Find those times where you can spend with your family. You can spend doing things you enjoy and being fully present in those and just reaching to achieve harmony and joy and finding fulfillment in the things that you're doing and not necessarily balance. And that was something that she said once she figured out, she had a lot less of those questions of, am I doing too much? Am I burning myself out? And that was really, really big to me. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was the voice of Katie Smith. Thanks to Katie for her time. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Ferber. See you again soon.